All of you see a huge smile on my face. Welcome back to the Kelly Cardenas podcast. I got a huge smile on my face because a year ago I had a conversation with a young man that I get to share with you today. I get to share with you one of my absolute mentors. He doesn't like that word and he probably does the, never even heard me say that about him. But about a year ago we had a conversation and he just said to me a couple words that really changed and shifted things for me. He said, you're a vibe. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, you're a vibe. When you come on, you're a vibe. Uh, when you talk, you're a vibe. He said, that's the thing. And he's like, you don't really need to have some you know, platform or thing that you stick into. It's just who you are. You're a vibe. And I said, did you realize that the second chapter in the first book that I wrote was vibe? And he said, "Now, nah, man, I just feel that. I feel that from you. And over the last year, if you've been around, you've been uh, seeing, we released the book, The Vibe. That's the, the reason why is because this young man that's on, he's not a guy who's talking about it. He's a guy who does it. And there's very few people in the world that do this. He's not a guy that's talking on his high horse from the top of the mountain. He's the guy that's saying, you know what? I'm walking in the valley. I'm walking up the mountain right now. Maybe I got to the top of the mountain. But he's only talking about what it is that he does. He's a real one, what I refer to as one of the best motivational speakers uh, that I've ever seen. And this guy is actually doing it. He's, he's got the right heart, he's got the right mind, and he's got the right skills to be able to back it up. He has been an incredible mentor to me. And the fact that my career is going the way that it is is because of this guy. So let's get this party started, and let me introduce you here in a second to Mr. Paul Long. Here we go. <laughs> There was only one video. There was supposed to be another video. And here is Paul Long right there. Uh, I, I love tech. Hey, hey, Paul, I love technology. It works until it doesn't. We had another commercial that was coming on, but hey, that's cool because this guy, honestly, Paul, I haven't said mentor to you like on our calls, but a year ago we had a conversation and you didn't want anything from me at all. You just wanted to pour into me. Why is that so important, Mr. Paul Long? Well, first and foremost, there's a lot of additional context about our initial connection uh, that probably needs to be stated. So your reputation precedes you uh, in a very, very great light. So um, side note, I've been on several podcasts in my life and very few intros have brought me to tears. So uh, thank you for starting this off emotionally <laughs> for me. Uh, I am honored with all the kind words that you share and uh, to be a mentor in whatever whatever capacity you see me as is absolutely amazing and an absolute honor. It's been great to see you and your ascent and really lean into who you are and what you do. And that that brings me to the answer to your question. So what brings me, why is connecting with people so important? Why is showing up in our authentic spirit important? Well, we have a mutual friend by the name of Wayne Freeman. Uh, he works for Sport Clips. Uh, he owns several sport clips franchises <laughs> and Wayne has been an advocate, a champion of me, my spirit, uh, a concept that I created years ago called fundamism and is somebody that I'm very proud to call a friend so much so that we occasionally will we'll both, we both reside here in Kansas. We'll, we'll go down and we'll grab on some gnarly Chinese buffet food. Like it's not good for you, but it is <laughs> oh so good. And we'll just sit and we'll talk about life and love and, and, and people and kindness. And he brought up your name. 
And he said, do you know Kelly Cardenas? And I said, no, I've never, I've never heard of the gentleman. He said, you got to look him up. Uh, I think he is a tremendous man, an authentic spirit. He spoke one time for, one time for Sport Clips. I went up to him, connected with him, and he immediately gave me, this is from Wayne, what you're saying, Kelly, I gave you the first time we connected. So the answer to your question is game recognized game. I show up <laughs> in my authentic spirit no matter where I go because there is one person, one person that we have to spend every moment of our life with from now until the end of time. But we work our, our, our butts off to try and earn the respect of everybody else. And we worry so much about how we're accepted or what people's thoughts are about how we showed up. When in reality, if we spend every moment of our life with one individual from now until the end of time, doesn't it make the most sense to work our tail off at earning the respect of the person that we see in the mirror each and every single day? So when you and I connected, what you felt was was not somebody uh, that was putting on a front, that wasn't somebody that was looking to receive something in return from you, that wasn't somebody that was reaching out as a burden because Wayne thought I should, but rather an individual that just loves people, that loves uh, life, that loves energy and enthusiasm and, and finding folks that, that find a similar vibe in those things. So here we are, brother, two guys with a genuine connection. <laughs> Well, a big shout out to Wayne. And Wayne doesn't only own just a couple of sport clips. He owns almost 40 of them. And for anyone out there, it's it's crazy because when I tell them, I, I'm like, I'm going to tell you about a, a business that does a billion, B, with a B, a billion dollars in revenue a year. And I want you to guess what it is. I can guarantee you, you won't guess what it is. And everyone's like, they say off all these tech companies, all the stuff. And I'm like, sport clips. And they're like, what? Sport clips. Well, there's one down the road. My kid gets his haircut. Yeah, they're focused on the things that other people aren't willing to focus on. And they're into the details. Now, this is a thing with you, Paul, is the fundamentalism or the happy guy or the positive guy that everybody sees and hears isn't positive and happy and fun because all the circumstances are great. How do you deal in Paul when you scratch the surface? How do you deal with that when you get punched in the face? Well, we were we were chatting uh, just before we we got online here. Um, <laughs> so contrary to popular belief, <laughs> bad things happen to everybody, Kelly. Uh, you know, let's 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 start off by recognizing one fact something that can't be argued. I think that we all share amongst many as humans, uh, many connection points, right? Uh, commonalities, if you will. But one that jumps out me consistently, and I talk about this in every keynote that I've ever delivered. So we all share one human connection. And is that, that is everybody in society, regardless of background or demographic or how you came up or DNA or experiences in life, we all have one common human connection and that common human connection is that everybody in this world has gone through something, is currently going through something, or will inevitably go through something. Yeah. So recognizing that, recognizing that, that we all have been someplace that sucked, are currently someplace that sucks, or anticipating that we're going to be someplace that sucks, <laughs> is paramount 
in navigating life's challenges and maximizing personal connection. Mm. So to answer your question, I, I hail from a family that, that, that suffers deeply from anxiety, depression, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, and even suicide um, a couple of years ago. I am who I am because I deliberately gravitate towards the things that, that lift me up, that give me strength, the people that make me smile, the individuals that, that shower me with love and kindness and, and express a genuine interest in me. See, I know what the darkness feels like, brother, and so do many of our listeners here today. And oftentimes where we, where we fall on our faces, we get in this proverbial rut and we're worried about all the crap that's not working or we're, we're in our head about what, what didn't work, what's not working, or anticipating what's not about to work. And it's cool if we're there. It's cool if while we're there, we're reflecting and we ask ourselves questions. How did I get here? What could be learned? How could I grow? But the individuals that I know like you that thrive in life and energy and love, they realize that we can't stay there for very long because there's only one thing that we could do if we want to move forward. And that's a find a way to navigate through that situation. <laughs> so ask yourself those deep questions and self-respect or, or reflection. Yeah. And then find a way, something deliberate to do to move yourself past it. For me, it might be listening to some Tribe Called Quest. <laughs> it might be jumping on a podcast with the founder of The Vibe. It may be watching a Law & Order episode, bro. But at the end of the day, it's just about deliberately finding something that could potentially make you smile. The reason why I asked the question too, Paul, is because I had a guy come to me. This was years ago. He came up and he said, I had to stop watching your stuff. And I was like, well, you could have just kept it moving, right? So I, I, I would like to think everything works out perfect. But he was like, I can't stop. I, I, got, I had to stop watching. I was like, did I offend you? He was like, nah, man. But you're too happy. Mm. And I was like, oh, wait a second. And I realized that sometimes I was bringing an energy that I thought that I needed to bring this, like, when you told me vibe, at first I was like, yeah, the vibe, like the energy that I bring. And then what God revealed to me over the past year is that my vibe is not the way that I feel coming in. It's the way that you feel when I leave. Mm. And so I had to look at that for a second, right? So what do you say to the person that is like, Paul, like, you're because you're a super positive guy, and I know you, you're my friend. So I know this is Paul. Like, th it's not an act, it's not a, you know, a, a presentation. But how do you connect with the person that says, like, man, you know, maybe you're too positive for me? Well, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that or acknowledge the fact that you and I are basically the same person. Uh, I say that because we have a lot of ex similar experiences in life and common interests at in how we see others and ourselves. So I, I had a gentleman, I used to have a podcast called the Fundamism Podcast. It was, it was top a hundred regularly on, on iTunes and, and Spotify. And, uh, it was a lot of fun to do. And I met years and years ago. One of the greatest Royals fans that I had, that I had ever known, a gentleman by the name of, of Nathan Leaker, Nate Leaker. Um, and this gentleman was absolutely amazing. Uh, he was dealt somewhat of a bad 
hand uh, with a disability, but thrived in life, was, was always smiling and, and loving life. His father, uh, Brian, and I became really close friends to the point where we would text and I'd drop an episode and he would reach out to me and ask me questions. Then one day he said the exact same thing to me, Kelly, that your buddy said to you. I had to stop listening to you. I said, why, Brian? He said, because when I, when I listen to you and I hear how you take these situations and, and turn them into something that works for you, I'm overridden by guilt. Mm. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, you could do that and it works for you. I don't know how to do that yet. And I haven't, I haven't found a way to navigate those, those challenging situations. And I know I'm overthinking stuff. And I know some of these challenges are, are very small in the grand scheme of life, especially seeing what my son has dealt with. And when I think about that, I'm overridden by guilt. Mm. So now to answer your question, sir, this has been a common phenomenon in every keynote, every client, every friendship, and every family member that I've ever connected with. I often tell folks, if you believe that I'm the benchmark for fun and you're thinking to yourself, well, if being overly enthusiastic and loud and boisterous and super confident is the benchmark for fun, then count me out because I'm not about that life. I want to make it explicitly clear that I'm not asking anybody to be me, mm. but rather trying to get people to identify what fun looks like in their life, to get one step closer to being that childlike spirit that they once were, to remove themselves from the daily burden of mental strife and be present in the now. So what does that look like for you? I, I don't know, but I promise what, what I am going to do is I'm going to be a vehicle that provides an environment where we're going to ask all the questions and ultimately provide some tactical tips to get you a little closer to what fun like, like look like looks like for you. So what would be some of the questions like this? It's crazy that you, that you said this too, because I mean, God has been on me asking me questions and I'm like, why, why are you asking me questions? Like you're supposed to be giving answers. Yeah. But you've been in my life. That's why I, I refer to you as a mentor because you asked me questions and I was like, I don't like you right now, Paul. Because I don't want you to ask me that question, man, because then I have to sit and wonder about the answer. If you just tell me stuff, I could just go do it, man. Where where did you learn the, the question asking? And then take us through maybe two, three, four questions, whatever it is, that a person could start on their journey to having a fun life. Yeah. Well, you, you specified a phenomenon that, that – most leaders incorporate in their daily development duties with their team. We as, as parents, as fathers, as mothers, as, as siblings, as, as friends, we constantly are telling people what to do or why it's important. Right. And then we get really upset or frustrated when they don't do it the way that we expected or the way that we communicated. Or in the off chance that we, we didn't even communicate it at all, right? Because I find that sometimes we get mad at people for doing or not doing something that we never told them about anyway. And so uh, a great friend of mine, Adam Carroll, he once said that uncommunicated expectations cause pre-planned resentments. 
And I thought that was brilliant. Uncommunicated expectations cause pre-planned resentments. If we don't specify what the expectations are, then we're just setting that relationship up for failure. But really at the crux of it is when we're always communicating our expectations and not getting people to self-discover why those expectations are important or even what they are on themselves, then there's never truly any ownership. It's just someone else's idea, which is not emotionally connecting to the person that's receiving those expectations. So how, how do you learn this? What, what's the technique? Why is it important? So first and foremost, the greatest leadership attribute that I have ever been around and most common in leaders that I highly respected and that were super effective were individuals that didn't tell me what needed to be done, but rather they asked me questions to identify what needed to be done. Why is it, why it was important and what my role was in making it happen. So then when we had performance management discussions, it wasn't, well, Paul, how come you're not doing it? How come you're not showing up to work every day on time? How come you're not doing what I asked you to do? That's not the conversation. The conversation is, hey, Paul, you remember three months ago, we talked about what a phenomenal customer service representative you are. You were talking about how great of a sales individual you are, the power that you have in connecting with people. You remember that skill set that I just applauded you for and that you demonstrate on a regular basis? Yeah, I remember. I remember, coach. Well, tell me, we had a discussion about how difficult it is for people to experience you and your authentic nature and that personal connection if you're not where? If I'm not showing up to work. So, so, so you told me, Paul, that it's important to show up to work, right? You, you told me, I didn't tell you that people can't experience you in all your glory if you don't show up. You told me, sir. So why aren't we doing it? Now, the moral of the story is this. If you want to create buy-in, if you want to create movement, if you remove leadership, we just talk about self-reflection and self-love and identifying ourselves what the next move or step is. We have to ask ourselves questions. Fun is what you asked about specifically. How do we get a little closer to fun? How do you define fun? What is, what is, define, what, what is fun even defined as to you? Because oftentimes that's the first step. We think that, that fun or fulfillment or uh, an abundant lifestyle is, is defined by how much money we make or the experiences that we have with our family, which could be true. But then when we're with our family, are we with them? Are we on our phones? Are we watching TV? Are we disconnected from those relationships doing something that doesn't provide us fulfillment and rather takes us away from what we define fulfillment as? So the first, the first question that you always have to ask yourself, if you're trying to find ways to have more fun, joy, or fulfillment, what does that look like for me? Damn Kelly, damn Paul, damn anybody else, because they have different definitions of fun. What does it look like for me? And then write that stuff down. You have to write it down. You have to write down what's important to you. Why? Because now it takes that thought to the next level. It's just like when we learned in school. We didn't just do quizzes. We actually reviewed content. We took notes. We replayed it back. We replayed it back. We took more notes and then it's stuck in our brain. So you have to take those thoughts to the next level. How do I define joy, fun, and fulfillment? 
Next question might be, what does it look like in my life? So if, if it's defined this way, what does it look like for me? How does, how does it manifest itself in my life? What would truly make me feel happy or fulfilled? Think about those questions. If we just ask ourselves those questions, we write down the answers. Well, then, then and only then can we start to define uh, implementation strategy, a roadmap to help us get there. How do you go from like the technique of it as far as the writing down? Because, you know, and there's a frustration point a lot of times with leaders. And I, I've, I've dealt with this in the past where you'll have a, a system on how to, to go about it. How do they add life to the system? Mm. Because your, your system today like with the challenges, and we're going to talk about it later. We won't. We'll take out the names and the faces for, 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 you know. But that system was challenged. Like you know, hey, looking on the brighter side. Uh, you know, having fun with what you're doing, appreciating where you're at, having the gratitude, being authentic, and being present. Sometimes when something happens, it kind of challenges that. Like, how does a person add the life to it or the personality where it's not just a robotic system? Well, as, as you proclaim to me, someone that you see as a mentor, I'd like to challenge the premise of the question. Mm. For, first of all, I don't accept that I'm your mentor. I accept oh, that I, Hey, you don't have to accept that you are, man. You are. It, and then let me, let me classify it too, because like, you're the first person that asked me some questions when I was talking about the keynote side of it. Like you're a guy who's out and doing it. You're not a guy who's a coach and saying like, Oh, by the way, buy my course and I'll show you. And then you make your money based off of these people that feel like they're going to hopefully get a speaking engagement one day. You're a guy who your whole entire family rests on the fact that you do deliver keynotes all over the world and one of the best in the world at it. Mm. And your mentorship to me was not about these philosophy things. These were things that when you told me, we need to get your reel done. We need to make sure that you have a, a one sheet. We need to make sure that you have, uh, you know, the, the key takeaways and the points that, that you're going to be able to do. These are things for me that were systematic, but you added life to them by connecting with me. But a lot of times people get the system and they don't have a life. Mm. All right. So the premise of your question needs to be flipped. Got it. Instead of how do we add life to the system? What do you think I'm going to say, Kelly? <laughs> I don't want to hear it because then I have to think, man. And you, you, you beat me up all the time. How do we add the system to our life? Like that, that's the flip. Get them. Like, how do we add the system to life? Life is what we live. Life is the experience that we have on this earth. Mm. Life is defined in terms of success differently for many different people. But the most common theme that you hear of people that live a fulfilling life is, man, I was surrounded by people that loved me. I was surrounded by, by individuals that made me feel good about myself. Mm. I saw somebody in the mirror that I respected. I lived my life every single day trying to find ways to make others smile, laugh, or feel appreciated, knowing I was about to get knocked on my ass. 
knowing it was going to happen, it was inevitable, knowing I had been knocked on my ass, knowing that I'm currently being knocked on my ass. But if I could remain true to who I am, right? And everything is built off of life, not the system, it's built off of life. Well, then I could, I could create the system. <laughs> it starts with life, brother. Yeah. And I think that's where we've messed up. Because a lot of people, we've, we've put so much emphasis on processes, on profitability, on, on business, that we forgot what makes all that stuff work to begin with. It's what we're doing right here. Oh, this is the reason why I wanted to share you with everybody is because <laughs> this, this is the type of, you know, this is the type of thought process because you just went through something. We're going to take out the names, So don't, you're not going to mention any names, but you just had a situation that smacked you in the face and you had the opportunity. And I could tell you this from, from your demeanor in telling the story, there was a part of Paul that wanted to cut somebody. There was a part of Paul. I mean, I'm not saying you're gangster, Paul, but there was a part of Paul that wanted to be like, yo, I, I, maybe I'll get knocked out, but I'm going to go down trying. Yeah. And when this situation happened, and someday I'll release, I'll bleep out the name, but I actually, you don't know this, but I recorded that. And in recording it, your countenance, when you talked about it, your body language changed. You, you were coming at me. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. you got hit with something. And then you had a choice. Well, I'll, sh I'll share the story. But, uh, <laughs> don't say a name. Don't, we're not going to say a name. And, and I also have to establish the fact that I, I'm not an expert. I'm not an expert at anything, bro. Like I'm not, <laughs> I, I am, I am me. I, I was watching a show recently as a movie called self-reliance. Uh, it's a, it's a comedy slash love story. It's awesome. But in the opening credits, before they showed any person, there was a quote that pops up by Ralph Waldo Emerson. And the quote said, to be yourself in a world that's constantly trying to get you to be someone else is one of the greatest accomplishments. So I'll repeat, to be yourself in a world that's constantly trying to get you to be somebody else is one of the greatest accomplishments. So if you're listening to this, you might be, you might be asking yourself, well, who's trying to get me to see, be, or, or experience something else? Well, it's the individual that just took your money. It's the leader that didn't coach you the way that you wanted to. It's the customer that came at you the wrong way. It's the kid that didn't clean their room when you asked them to. It's your, it's your, your mindset when you're frustrated and that negative voice, that self-talk that's in you, just talking about all the things that you can't accomplish and why, why you aren't where you aspire to be. This is the world trying to get you to be somebody that you're not. So who are you? How do you want to show up? And how do we get closer to that? Every single day, you're going to get knocked down. And so you, you just referenced just a couple days ago when I got knocked down and it hurt. It was a sizable amount of money that I lost. And so essentially... Uh, in my business, you, you know, you've referenced me being a speaker multiple times. My sole revenue generator is speaking. Can you say now, that again? Say, th say that again, because this is why you're a mentor to me. Say it again. My sole revenue generator is being a speaker. Is say, speaking. It say it one more time. Say it one more time, but say it slow and say it with your chest. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, when I said I'm not an expert, let me clarify. Hey, yo, Paul knows this. And Paul knows that 
but Paul don't know Jack because Paul can't rap. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So my singular revenue generator, my sole revenue generator, sir, is speaking. So much so that we've talked about how there, there's many different models to speaking, right? Mm -hmm. Some folks are only speaking to sell consulting deals, right? So, so they'll take a lesser fee to go out and speak with someone knowing that that's their entry point to sell a more lucrative consulting deal. Got it. Kelly, I've done consulting for years. Uh, I was on site in any given uh, location for specific organizations. I would do three to four billable way, days a week with one organization and then come back the next week. And, and it was awesome, but it was tedious. There's a lot of preparation. I was away from my family a ton and it was a lot more work than just speaking and doing what I love. So I was getting further and further away from the things that I, that I thoroughly enjoyed. Right? So let me tell you how the models flipped for me years ago. I put a ton of money into something called fundamentalism university. You are familiar. I told you this story. I, I put a ton of money into fundamentalism university. I was going to start selling it as an add-on to all my clients and all the attendees and any individual that went to my website. You could go to this online Fundamism University platform and create your own implementation strategy to bring more joy, fun, and fulfillment to life. I sold it for uh, $14.99 a month or $120 a year. Now I'm giving it away for free. I just give it to anybody who asks. I give it to every single attendee. Why? Because I ain't here to peddle product, bro. Like I make enough money speaking. Most importantly, I love speaking. My family's happy, my energy's right, and I ain't trying to do a bunch of stuff that I don't wanna be doing. At what point is enough enough? Like for these folks that are defined by, I got a couple buddies and, and I love them, God bless them, but they're like, I got a goal. I'm gonna make $30 million in my life. I mean, goals are great, but why? What's this arbitrary $30 million come? Like, and so are you showing up every single day for your family? Because every time we talk, you're talking about the last performance management discussion that you had or how difficult it is to find good talent. You're always stressed about your business. And the reason why you're always stressed about your business is because you see it as a means to make $30 million instead of as a means to live a fulfilling lifestyle. So ultimately I had this thing situation happen a couple days ago. I was hired by a third party speakers bureau we agreed on a speaking fee and how that works is a client, an organization has an event. They reach out to a speakers bureau. The speakers bureau says we have five different speakers that speak on the topic that you're looking for. Two of them leverage humor. Three of them uh, are, are really more about tactical takeaways. So what is it specifically that you're looking for? The client decides what speaker that they want to move with. And ultimately the bureau creates a contract. Now that contract is between the bureau, the speaker and the organization. And the bureau just really is really just a pass through. So they collect money on the speaker's behalf. They take their finders fee and the rest of the speaker's fee goes to the speaker. Now, typically how that works is the client pays 50% down and then upon to, to secure the date. And then upon completion of the event, the speaker gets the remaining amount owed. So we booked this probably four months ago. Wonderful connection. 
trust built relationship, never done business with this bureau before, but man, we are, we are, we're vibing, right? Heart set, mindset, skill set, all in alignment. It feels like I feel really good. Go out, crush the keynote, 1500 people, energy's right, vibed, got great feedback. I don't, I don't hear, I don't hear from, from the bureau that booked me. Ultimately, what I found was uh, she ghosted me. Now she, she owed me a sizable amount of money, but she, but she ghosted me. I sent a voicemail, uh, multiple emails. She ghosted me. So finally, I, I sent an email. I, hey, I need an update. Uh, we're yet to receive payment. She responds by saying, hey, I'm sorry you didn't receive my check. And the letter that I sent you, let me know if it doesn't arrive by tomorrow. I'm attaching that letter. Well, the letter, the letter essentially said, that due to the COVID years and the lack of profitability, um, we have to close our doors and my financial situation is impacting my ability to pay you in full the money that I've already received from the client. So immediately the human way, what do I do? I get emotional. <laughs> I, I'm like, I, I feel, I feel taken advantage of. I feel as though this person made a deliberate choice. She knew that she couldn't pay me, still sent me out there. And then it's not that she didn't pay me what I was owed. It's that she didn't pay me my money. Like mm. she was, she was the pass through. This was my money. That was the agreement. She deliberately stole from me, Kelly. Mm. So we get emotionally invested, right? And I'm hot and I, and I send an emotional email. Now that emotional email, uh, I read it to you, but you know how I still conduct my business. I of still course. am with my, with my heart set and I, it's, it's with love, but also with boundaries and letting you know <laughs> that, that you did wrong in this personal relationship. Well, she didn't respond to said email and I sat on it and I watched a video of our daughter at the age of two reciting the fruit of the spirit, which if you don't know, look it up. But in addition, it's, it's just a, it's just something that was written about in the best selling book of all time. And it's a strong <laughs> way, a strong moral compass to live your life by. So I told her, look, so I told her, uh, I watched this video of our daughter at the age of two reciting the fruit of the spirit. She's now 11 and seeing somebody so innocent and pure recite something so powerful changed me. I told her I watched it last night again after I sent my emotional email. And if indeed she made a deliberate choice to do our relationship in that situation the way that she did, she must be in dire circumstances. I wished her strength and finding a way through it. Then as a courtesy, I extended her due date by 90 days. I also included a copy of the video in hopes that it would provide her strength during her tumultuous time. So the moral of the story is, man, it stung losing all that money. But it stings even worse if I hang on to that. I let it impact how I show up on this podcast. Mm. It stings even worse if the next time I work with a bureau, I think that they're out to get me instead of realizing that most people in their heart of hearts are decent individuals and aren't out to get me. The reason why I asked about it too, Paul, is because, again, it goes back to that point. Like, this is the reason why I want to expose you to every single person that I know is because you're a real one. When you're talking about, you know, like looking at the great things, it's not that you don't have great, that you have all great things that are happening. 
right? And how do you extract then that situation when you move forward? Because a lot of times what we do and what we learn from being a kid is, okay, fool me once, it's on you or on me or whatever, however they go. And then they're like, but you need to protect yourself at all times. And my pops was completely different in this. My pops was like, you know, if a person asks you to go a mile, go two, somebody smacks you across the face. Now, my pops was a fighter. He was like, you know, first of all, check them. <laughs> and then, but don't turn that into something that you that fuels you for the rest of your life. And you're a great example of this. How, how would a person do that? Well, I think first we have to go back to at our core. There's only one person that we have to spend every moment of our life with from now until the day that we pass and beyond. And so how you handle this situation, knowing that it was somebody else, it was somebody else that brought their energy into your life that now you're allowing to influence how you're responding, how you're showing up, and potentially the respect that you have for that person staring back at you in the mirror. Now, I watch a lot of your IG stuff, Kelly, and one consistent theme in every story that you tell is the love that you express for your parents and that they gave you in abundance. And not just love, but wisdom. You even told me a story earlier before we got on here about how your dad said, don't hate on the mailman, hate the mail, right? Or vice versa. Yeah, yeah. What was the, what was the message? What was the quote? Well, it was, it was uh, you know, don't focus on the mailman, focus on the, on the mail. Yeah, don't, don't focus on the mailman, focus on the mail, right? Mm -hmm. So I get real ate up with this individual and how they conducted business. Or I could also realize that when our backs are against the wall as humans, somebody told me in this situation that, man, if you believe in whatever you believe in, the darkness, Satan, negativity, whatever you believe in, can pull you in all different directions. It can make you do things that are completely out of character, that nobody would guess were actually you. And so if we recognize that, that sometimes the darkness can make people that they're not, and we try to see the best in folks, then I find more often than not, I get great energy in return. I have dark things happen to me. I got some messed up things in my life. We could talk about family if you want to, bro. I don't think you want to go there. <laughs> oh. But the point is, what I found in my life, when I give, and I'm consistent in the gift of love and light and energy and what's good as opposed to what isn't, it returns in abundance to me. Can I tell you? I already told you, but I didn't tell the audience that after I sent that email to that lady, basically letting go of that negative energy, within hours, I received two unexpected speaking contracts. Unexpected, completely out of the blue. So I made all that for naught. The point is, man, like I bring up your parents because your question was how? Like, how do you let go of that. How do you find a way to navigate those situations and stay true to who you are? You had a phenomenal role model in your life, specifically in your pops that constantly gave you amazing insights and wisdom. My father was 
the opposite. He was a miserable human being in, in his own, in his own mental capacity. He felt like somebody years ago did him dirty. And that one moment defined his whole life experience. I mean, I'll never, he point to this one moment in his life in his uh, late twenties, early thirties, where he had had a contract with somebody similar to this, right. But on a bigger scale, he had a contract with somebody building a significant commercial building. He was the contractor and the company that he was building the, the, the structure for filed bankruptcy. And all of my father's resources were tied up in this project. And as a result, all of his time and energy and effort was lost all of his money. So this was a defining moment in his life where he would tell me, you know, I, I tried once I gave my all once and look where it got me. Now I got nothing. I filed bankruptcy and the world's out to get me. My dad passed away shortly after turning 60. And I would say the final eight to 10 years of his life, he was confined to a recliner, um, taking pills each and every single day, pain pills. He was addicted to them. Now he needed them because he had this debilitating back disorder where he literally could not stand up. He looked like a, a 90 degree angle all the time. That's why he couldn't lay in bed. He could only lay in a recliner. His feet were all swollen and he would be, he would be high and, and, and wide awake for 72 hours at a time and then sleep for 24 to 48 hours at a time. And I would talk to him and I, I would try to just create dialogue and ask him questions. And every single time it would be like, you don't know what it's like to be me. You don't know what it's like to deal with this. You don't know what it's like to have this darkness. You ask me, where do I get it from? I saw what the darkness can do to someone, someone that I love. And I made a commitment to myself that I wasn't going to be that person. I can't be that person because I got two kids. We have two kids that look up to us. I got individuals like you for God knows what reason that look up to me. And so if indeed, I hold on to that, that negativity, that, that darkness, that, that, that energy that just sucks. The only person that it's impacting is me. And then negatively impacting all of those around me. So it really boils down brother to taking a look at the mirror and saying, am I cool? Am I cool with being this person? Am I cool with with being spiteful, knowing that this, this individual got the better of me? Am I cool with now anticipating that every person out there, I believe that I have to protect myself from because potentially they are gonna get me too? Or could we look in that good book and read the fruit of the spirit and realize that if we live our life with love, patience, self-control, kindness, faithfulness, forbearance, and all the other things, then maybe just maybe life will be overflowing with abundance. Do you find that it's like a person asked me the other day when I told the story, I, I told a story about my pop and she is like, a lot of times I tune out to, to the story of your pops because, and this is what she was saying. She's like, because I didn't have a dad like that. And I was like, well, wait a second. I just want to, I just want to preface this thing, and I, I generally don't say it a ton, but, um, you know, we had a lot of stuff in our family, and I, uh, the wisdom that I got from my pops didn't always come from, like, 
beaver cleaver, my mom baking bread and making pie, there was alcoholism. There was physical abuse. There was, there was all those things in the family. But during those times, they were dropping those little, uh, you know, being able to drop the, the little nuggets. I asked the question of my wife the other day, and she was like, why you ask me such a deep question while we're on our way to downtown Disney? I'm going to ask you this question is like, how do you keep a sober mind? And I'm not talking about alcohol, but like for you as Paul, what are some of the things that you do in your life that keeps you in that track? Because Lord knows, like we just talked about, we're going to get hit. And again, me seeing you, there's very few people, and this is why you're a mentor to me. There's very few people that when you scratch the surface, the underneath is better than what they show to the outside world. And you're one of those people. Thanks, man. I, um, I'd love to say that there is a one size fits all approach to ensure everybody can find their joy, fun, fulfillment, or the feeling of abundance. But the truth of the matter is, kind of summarizing where we started, it's defined differently for everybody. So I think to answer your question, I first have to address when I feel like I'm there. Like what, what causes me to get in these dark places to begin with? Yeah. When I'm most messed up, when I'm most in my feelings, when the lack of fulfillment in life truly overcomes me, There's one common theme every single time. And it's that I'm comparing myself or my circumstances to someone else's. Every single time, bro. Our business, the speaking industry specifically, is one, overflowing with ego. Because it takes a very confident individual to be on stage, right? Mm -hmm. And so as such, you hear folks talking about the number of audiences they've spoken with, how long they've been doing it, the number of clients they've partnered with, the amount of money they've made. Or you just see them on social media and you see all the pictures and you're like, damn, how are they out so much? And then you start to think to yourself, you're like, my content, how does it stack stack up to their content? How's my energy stack up to their energy? Because I mean, Kelly's saying that I'm a great dude. Kelly's saying that when he gets to know me on the inside, he's scratching the, it's better than scratching the service. So, so why are they booking this other person as opposed to me? And that's when I get in a very dark place, like comparing myself to everybody else. Now you asked, what are the steps that I take to get me out of that? What do I do? I look in the mirror and I realize that I'm not competing against those folk. I was happy before I brought that person's name up in my head. Now, all of a sudden, for some unknown reason, I've never even met this individual. I'm allowing them and my impression of them, not the reality, not the reality of them, Kelly, my impression or perspective of them to impact my energy, my experience, how I show up. And then I start to think to myself, well, what would that guy in the mirror do? What would that guy in the mirror do 
to stop thinking about what Kelly Cardenas is out there doing to book all these speaking engagements, but rather what would he do to get in his right mind and to show up in his authentic spirit? Because the world's trying to get him to be somebody he's not. Well, in that moment, I freaking go to the gym. And people are like, oh, how do you get into working out? I don't go to the gym to work out. I go to the gym to listen to music and keep my mind right. The massive guns are just a byproduct <laughs> of the music and the energy. It's all about a mindset shift. It's all about perspective, brother. I put on some great music. I go and I, I, I play a sport. I play Call of Duty with my son. I deliberately invite something or someone into my life that I know it's going to take that negative energy, that darkness, those thoughts out of my head and make me present. Now, the science behind what I'm talking about is something called a brain pattern interrupt. Yeah. A brain pattern interrupt. So if my, my, my philosophy, which you mentioned earlier and even pronounced it correctly, kudos to you, is called fundamentalism, defined as the fundamentals of a fun and optimistic lifestyle, it's really built off this premise of brain pattern interrupts. If everybody in this world has gone through something, is currently going through something, or will inevitably go through something, then the odds are when we're talking to folks, when we're introducing ourselves to them, we're in the middle of conversation, we're having performance management discussions, the odds of them thinking about something that's not relevant to this moment right now, and rather they're in their head about where they've been, where they're currently at, or what they expect to be going through, are very, very high. So in those moments, how do we create a brain pattern interrupt? How do we get them out of their head and into the moment? For me, I ask questions like, hey, what's, what's one good thing in your day today? Hey, before we get this meeting started, tell me, fate of the world depends on you. You have to sing one karaoke song. It doesn't even have to be, well, what is it? Who's the greatest leader you've ever had and why? Stop asking people, how was your vacation? You know somebody's going to respond to how's your vacation, like good, fine, or great. No, ask the question like, hey, what's one memorable moment that you had on the vacation? Hey, what's something on the vacation that made your kids smile? What's the best meal that you had while on vacation? See, now you're creating a moment where somebody has to deliberately think about something that makes them smile. How do I get out of the darkness, Kelly? I ask myself what that man in the mirror would do and how I could earn his respect. And then I find ways to deliberately go out and do it. <laughs> and... and for those of you, I'm going to give out his number. Uh, I'm going to give out your cell phone number. I'm going to charge for it. So it'd be $99. Um, and, and then I'll send it to you. Um, <laughs> but when you call you, it's so great because you ask questions and then I had to leave a message. And when I left the message, I talked about uh, 90s hip hop. I talked about De La Soul. I talked about Tribe Called Quest. Next time I get on the phone with you, you're reciting that, I mean, the memory of you, but also too, there, because there's been people that have techniqued me before, like, you know, I love right. That. They've techniqued me. They've done the, the, it's the, it's the Ed Hardy guy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the guy wearing all the jangly chains that thinks he's got game. And you're like, dude, I'll steal your chick every single time. And I don't have to have all that stuff. So, cause I got vibe. Right. I mean, I, I'm not saying that I got, I'm just saying like I had to, we had to grow up with thrift stores. So I didn't care that you had the shiny stuff. I'm saying like we had to work on our game, but, <laughs> but help me with this, with the techniquing stuff. 
Um, you do it with your heart. You do it from what you actually believe in. Let's take it into the marriage side of it because when keynote speaking is tough because we create systems and we create a pattern. We have a, a strong 45, right? So we have that strong 45 and we could deliver. And then, you know, we want to, but then we come home and if we ever try and deliver that strong 45, our wife is like, eh, 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 eh. stop it. I see mm-hmm. you going into it. Does your wife do this to you or is it just mine? She used to when I was techniquing her. <laughs> so remember the premise of the question? Yeah. We don't add life to process. We don't add life to system. We add system and process to life. So what's the, what's the point? What are we trying to accomplish? Am I doing a process just to check the box? Or am I living life? And identifying processes, they're going to amplify the relationships wow. in it. So, for example, I get the opportunity to speak to thousands and thousands and thousands of people every single year. Consistently, folks come up to me and they share beautiful words of, of love and kindness and even open their heart with vulnerability and talk about stuff that they're going through. Oftentimes when I get home, I think the only people that I really want to help the most are the people in the next room, my brother, my dad, who I couldn't help, right? So I put a heavy burden on my shoulders to think about how I can rescue them. In the words of E-40, Cap- Captain save a <laughs> Listen, I know that could be offensive to many. Listen, those aren't my words. It was the first speech I ever had, E40. Um, so, nevertheless, my apologies to anybody I offended. That is not mine. Hey, there ain't no apologies needed, man. You just quoted a great prophet. <laughs> Fodi Fonzarelli. Um, <laughs> my brother uh, is really struggling right now, really, really, really struggling. And uh, he very much has my father's mindset and believes that he's been dealt a bad hand and everything bad happens to him and only him. He is a human being that has gone through it, is currently going through it or thinking about inevitably going through it. But what he hasn't found yet is what will help him through those challenging times. So I've been working with him. Your question was about our wives and we'll get to that, but this is very similar. I'll ask my brother, hey, uh, how have you found meditation or mindfulness to help you get your mind right? I've never tried it. Okay, how open are you? I'm open to anything. So then I'll supply him the resource. Hey man, how often are you going on walks? How often are you getting out of bed? Just going out and breathing and enjoying the surroundings. Oh, I don't go on walks. Hey man, how, long, how often do you listen to music? And not just as background noise, but literally deliberately picking a song that you know is going to make you feel some kind of way. Paul, I'm so in my head, I'm not even listening to the music right now. Hey man, how often are you going to group therapy? Oh, I stopped going to group therapy because... I'm afraid that I'm offending other people. Hey man, how often are you go into individual therapy? 
well, my insurance isn't picking up enough of the money. So I, uh, I, I stopped going to individual therapy. Hey man, when you were going to individual therapy, I know that they were giving you some worksheets. What are the exercises they're having you do? I haven't been doing them. So I hear all this stuff from my brother and he texts me recently. He says, Hey, are you busy? He said, I'm about to hop on a call. What's up? He goes, Oh, cool. No worries, bro. I go, no, something's clear. Something's clearly bothering you. What's up? He goes, oh, I'm just having a really bad day and I needed somebody to talk to. I said, bro, last two years of your life, you've had really bad days. You don't need someone to talk to. You need an expert to talk to. Somebody that can help you navigate through these situations and hold you accountable to do the things that will pull you out of this rut. Then I literally called out, Kelly, all the things that he's made a deliberate choice not to do. You won't meditate because you don't like the sound of the lady's voice. You won't call mom on her birthday because you're going through your own stuff and don't want to put that burden on her. You won't go to group therapy because you're afraid of offending somebody else. You won't go to individual therapy because you don't have the money. You won't do the exercises in individual therapy because you feel like they don't help. You don't listen to music deliberately because you can't get out of your own head. You got an excuse for everything, bro. These are all choices that you are making. At what point do you hate how you're feeling right now so much that you're willing to do all the other shit to get out of it? I asked him that question, Kelly. I said, do you hate the la that, that lady's voice so much? Do you hate going on walks so much? You hate group therapy so much. You hate individual therapy so much. You hate calling your mom so much. You hate all that stuff more than you hate feeling like you do right now and for the last two years. That's the turning point. That's the turning point in life, Kelly, when you realize that you hate feeling like this so damn much that you're willing to do anything to get yourself out of that rut. And that ain't process. That's life, bro. So let's talk about life. Let's talk about love. Let's talk about process because I'm on the road a lot and I, I'll call my wife. And right before I get off the phone, very similar to you, Kelly, when you go out and you do this, this next sport clips gigs, which you're about to do, congratulations. You're going to call her while you're out there in Dallas. And you're going to say right before you get off the phone, what? I love you. I love you. I love you, babe. Bye. I love you. Bye. Do you mean it? Now, I know you do. And she knows you do. But you say the same thing every single time you get off the phone. And I love you, babe. Does not express how much you really, truly love her. Now, I could say, I love you, babe, to my wife before I get off the phone when I'm on the road. Or, like I've told many audiences across the globe, I could call her up. And after a fruitful conversation, I could say, hey, hon, before you get off the phone here, I need to let you know I'm sitting in a hotel room right now with a medium pizza all to myself, a two-liter bottle of Coke, some Cine sticks, and three law and orders that I'm about to get myself into. I'm living a life, and I know that right now you're going through it. Right now, you're trying to find a way to get Adeline to dance, Brandon to soccer, feed them, get them in bed, get their homework done first, all to wake up in order to do it again tomorrow. Thank you for being everything that you are because you're allowing me the opportunity to be everything I aspire to be. I love you. Sometimes it just takes a deliberate moment for us to stop the daily grind, to put 
deliberate effort into showing love that we feel it's not different. We feel that love. We just lose sight of expressing it. And it's not, I love you, bye. How many times does your wife walk by you? Your kids walk by you and you're a phenomenal father based on what I see on social media. And we all know that that's 100% factually accurate. 100%, 100%. But how often do you see your kids or your wife walk by you? At least I know I do. And I'll think in my head how gorgeous she is. Or I'll think about how much I love her. Or I'll think how proud I am of my son. But gosh, I'm so annoyed that he got in trouble at school today. I'm so annoyed that I had to pick up his dish to take it to the sink after dinner. I'm so annoyed, in fact, that I don't tell him the positive thoughts that I'm thinking. Why do we give so much power to the shit that's not working? that it influences our ability to see the stuff that is. Life, bro. Mm. What questions is God asking you lately? I think carrying on in the theme of fatherhood I'm really struggling right now having patience with my mini me, <laughs> our son, Brennan Royal Long, named after Will Ferrell's character in Step Brothers. True story. <laughs> what? Did we just become best friends? Yup. I mean, I brought, I bought a new car. Uh, it's a used car cause I don't believe in buying new, but, uh, it had those, uh, soft closed doors on it. Uh-huh. I mean, I just, I just bought this thing four months ago, five months ago. Brennan broke the latch and the soft closed door within the first 60 days. It was a thousand dollar mistake. He even know he did it, bro. He just slams the door. Like, I mean, he's not, he's just the Tasmanian devil, right? He has the biggest heart. The biggest heart, man. He's the best cuddler. Adeline, our daughter, she don't cuddle. She's never wanted anything to do with dad. Like she loves me, especially when her friends are around because I'm the fun guy and I'm clowning. And uh, but she's not, she's not emotionally like needy. Brennan, like, hey, let's cuddle, let's snuggle. Let's he always wants to be by your side. He's seven, bro. And oftentimes I allow my frustration, my desire to just be quiet or relax after a couple days on the road or even allow my irritations to get in the way of what I know to be the fact that a lot of his behaviors are just kid stuff. And, and more relatably, Paul stuff, when I was young, he literally is me does the same thing. I mean, I remember my mom talking about all the stuff that I broke and, and he'll do something. And my mom will be like, yep, that's you. And so I know it. So what questions is God asking me? Uh, Hey Paul, what relationship you want with your son? How are you going to, how are you going to show him that you love him while still coaching him to be the person that he can be? How does that patience then correlate to your business when somebody does you dirty and doesn't pay you for an event. 
How can you show up and be a better husband? Because your wife does a lot of stuff to make this household go. You know, more, more, uh, more information than uh, anybody wants on this podcast, but my wife and I were getting intimate the other night. And before we got started, I look her in the eyes and I said, kiss me like the night we first met. Kiss me like the night we first met. You kissed her on the first night? Man, <laughs> come on, man. I didn't get no kiss on the first night. My, well, there's my, a my, my, my lady was like, you, you get a handhold. You get a, you get a, you get a finger, you get a hand touch. You know, you ain't well, getting no kiss. Side note, Melissa and I went to school from fifth grade all the way up to high school senior together. We grew up in the same small town. She was the drill team captain. I was the class clown. She was the girl that I always wanted to be with that. I always held on a pedestal. There is no girl that could ever compare in my mind to Melissa Long, Melissa Snyder at the time. So Melissa married her high school sweetheart, the dude that she dated from the eighth grade on. We didn't connect until our 10-year high school class reunion. So our first date was really not our first date, but rather a culmination of a whole lot of energy, tension, and love that had been building up for a long time. That's when you say recognize game. That's when you when you say that one, Paul, right? You just finish that one up with recognize game, like, you know. <laughs> Still got it. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, think about, think about that. Um, yeah. Just think about the human desire to be loved and the physical touch that goes along with that. Because a lot of folks desire physical touch, but then we get frustrated when it doesn't happen exactly as we want it. Mm. Sometimes we expect it, but we're not willing to put forth the effort to create an environment where it's comfortable for somebody else to do that. So for example, I could hold spite in my heart because my wife isn't caressing my back or laying her head on my chest while we watch Love on the Spectrum. Have you seen that show, Kelly Yes, Cardi? my daughter. My daughter watches it. My daughter's in. Now the whole family's in. Great show. Phenomenal show. You ask me what I do to get my mind right? I'm about to tear up just talking about this show. I'll just sit there and watch these people that don't have the same social skills as you, Kelly, or myself, and how they deliberately put themselves in discomfort to hopefully find human connection. Yeah. And there's this girl by the name of Abby. Every time they showcase her story. Now, I hate reality TV. My wife watches The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise, anything that starts with the word B. Uh, I hate it all. But I see the preview for Love, uh, for, for Love on the Spectrum, and I'm like, I'll watch this with you. Within the first 15 minutes, I have tears in my eyes. Just they're so endearing. Like I cannot look at them and not think, please, God, don't hurt this person. And it really puts things into perspective because when in the off chance that some of these folks do find love, they're in, they're communicative. Abby, she, uh, they've been dating now for uh, a year and a half, this boy that she's dating. And forgive my ignorance, I don't recall his name off the top of my head, but. Uh, they went to Africa, right? They went to Africa. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So she'll say, do you know why I love you? And he'll provide an answer. And he goes, do you know I love you? She says, no. He says, because um, 
you love me so much and because you're sweeter than all my favorite candies combined. And then she looks off into nothing and just goes, oh, that makes me feel so good. And it's so genuine and so pure. So when we want the physical touch of a loved one, of a child or whatever it may be, are we expecting it because that's a duty? Or are we creating an environment where we might say things like, kiss me like the first time we connected? Or hold my hand like the first time we went on a date? Or do you know why I love you so much, baby? When we say those things, it creates an environment where people are emotionally connected and they remember why we got together in the first place. What questions your uh, your wife been asking you lately? Hmm. Did you check your email to see if we got a Ticketmaster uh, response for the random raffle for Taylor Swift tickets? Um, how many times did they show Taylor Swift in the Chiefs broadcast? Uh. <laughs> Do you mind if we go to Airy uh, and Lululemon uh, to look at clothes for Adeline? Uh, what do you want from Culver's? Do you have Culver's out there? Butterburgers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, that, that just sounds like a heart attack. Although, it's a good heart attack. It's, it not, it's, most, it's mostly like Midwest. Culver's mostly Midwest. My Midwest yeah. people that are listening right now, they're going to be like, yes. We're more in and out people out yeah. here on the West Coast. Love you know in and out. Saying? But Culver's, get- I, I actually haven't had a butter burger, but I yeah. want to have one. Yeah. Is it, you know, is it, is it that it's level? Fun. It's not in and out. No. Uh, what, what, what Culver's is really known for is their cheese curds. You know, they were founded out in Wisconsin. So I like um, some cheese curds, they got great custard. Um, and I would argue their burgers, uh, their burgers don't have a ton of flavor, but they're, they're, um, the, the lettuce and the tomato and the onion, all that stuff is so great and so fresh. And I get some double cheese on there. It is my favorite burger next to In-N-Out Burger. But let me be clear. It's not because the burger has a lot of flavor. It's just, it's just well put together. I just love it all. You just like the... So she's asking you those questions. Yeah, which I... not isn't the answer that you were expecting. No, because... no, I love, I love this because I try and ha- like, I'll have a try and, you know, the other day I had a discussion in the car, like I was telling you, and my wife was like, why are you asking these like large questions? Why don't we, why don't we just have a conversation? And sometimes in, you know, my uh, philosophy uh, that I like to get into, um, I like to be able to get checked by my kids or my, you know, by my wife. When's the last time your daughter or your son or your wife checked you? Because you're a pretty deep dude. Like, you know, I, I asked you some, you know, about the questions and you were like, wow, the way, uh, kiss me the way that you kissed me the first time. I was like, wow, man, I want to hang out with you, Paul, because then I'm going to have to see that that stuff's possible, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, but don't get it twisted. I mean, you know, uh, life gets in the way sometimes. <laughs> I'm not that way all the time. Uh, yeah. When's the last uh, I, time your wife checked you or your kids checked you where you where you got pulled back in? Like the other day, I this was a while back. I, I said to my daughter, I was like, baby, we're on a dog walk. I said, baby, I just want you to be yourself. Cause you're enough. And I went, I went in I went in like slow. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I did that. And we were walking the dog, and she just turned to me and she was like, duh. 
everyone else is taken. And I was like, you're not even appreciative of my philosophy right now. I feel, I feel targeted when, when you got checked, man. My wife, my wife, my wife is so kind hearted. Is so introspective is so willing to sacrifice her own happiness to ensure that everybody around her is happy Uh that she very rarely checks anyone um to the point where it it hurts me sometimes seeing the impact that it plays on her Mm. right because we we as humans we experience trains us to live our lives a certain way and so what i mean by that is you know when i was single and i was single all the way up until you know 30 i mean i dated and stuff but i'm saying i wasn't married until 30. i'd do my own laundry i'd fill the i'd fill the dishwasher heck we we washed dishes by hand i'd clean up i'd clean up the house you know i'd, I'd do all the things but now it's like uh, i saw this instagram reel <laughs> where this husband and wife are, (laughs) they're sitting in the living room and the husband says, baby, baby, look at this. I I, I have to show you this. I got to show it to you now. I should have shown it to you before, but I I held back because I thought maybe it would irritate you knowing that this is all that you had to do and you put so much work into keeping the house clean. He goes, every single night I eat my food and I leave the plate here and I leave the, the cups and I leave the thing and, and I go upstairs and when I wake up, it's magically gone. I swear to you. And she's like, look at him like, boy, you must be crazy. He's like, every, every, every time I wear these clothes, I throw them in the corner. And then the next day they're magically, they're clean and hanging up. Right. And like, it's a big old deal. And the guy is completely ignorant. He believes that it's magic, right? It's the joke, but of course it's the, it's the wife that's making all that stuff happen. The point is, I used to fend for myself. I used to do all that stuff. Now, Melissa does it for me. Not because I expect her to do it for me. It's just that she does it. And oftentimes she does it before I could even get to it because that's the role that she sees herself playing. She will set aside her own unhappiness or her own happiness to make sure everybody else is happy. So I myself might not wash a load of laundry until my favorite sweatshirt was dirty and I needed to wash that load of laundry. Whereas when there's a load of laundry, it's in the wash immediately for Melissa. Now, why do I, why do I give you this as an example? I mean, the same thing holds true for our kids. Our kids will ask Melissa, for a glass of water or a towel when there's seven steps away from said towel or from getting a cup and it's constant. Like she feeds everybody before she feeds herself. And before she makes her own plate, Kelly, our daughter's saying, can I have another taco? And then she's making Adeline another taco. So the point is, Oftentimes, Melissa sets aside her own happiness to make sure that everybody else is happy. And Mm. that's not always good because what can happen ultimately is resentment Mm -hmm. takes place and irritation. 
Now here's where my job as a husband is imperative. I have to recognize when I myself or our children are, are playing into this environment and that we're not helping out. This is where saying things like kiss me the first time when we met or deliberately saying, Hey babe, I know that you've been working your butt off on the seven loads of laundry. And I see, first of all, can I help you? Do you need anything from me? But also I know that it's not the most fun thing in the world to do. And you've wasted three and a half hours of your day doing it. I just want you to know that our house wouldn't go without you. Sometimes just those little things, just acknowledging the work that they're putting in can go a long way. How can you check in? Because this, this was a thing with my wife too, <clears throat> with Brooklyn. Anyone who knows Brooklyn, you know how cool she is. But the scary thing about having a cool wife is a lot of times they're cool with everything. And cool. so you have to make it a point to check in because at first I was like, I was like that, that oblivious dude in the Instagram video. When we first got married, I was like, you know, you good. She would be like, yep. And then I'll be like, man, this is easy. This is so simple. And then I would just, you know, check in again, like you good. And at first it would be like one or two days in between. And then it was like, dude, she's good. She's cool. So I didn't check in for like three weeks. And then I'd just be like from across the room, you good? And then she wouldn't even say anything. And I'd be like, she good. <laughs> and then I realized, this was later on. I get smacked in the head. That's how God works with me. That I was just not asking the right questions. How, how, did, how do you, like how, when you have a cool wife, how do you stay in contact? Like, and you know, how, how does that happen? I wish I would have known this. I, I, maybe if we went back to the future and I would have learned this as a, as a, as an early married man, it would have been better 15 years ago. It would have been even better. But as I move forward, how can I be better? I think, first of all, we have to recognize how different ourselves and our spouses brains work, uh, not to just divulge all of the Instagram content that I take in every single day. <laughs> but I just saw another amazing reel that was, it was a husband and a wife. One, uh, could be a husband and a husband, could be a wife and a wife. Hell, it could be your mom and her son. Could be anybody, right? But in this particular example, it was a husband and a wife. And uh, the wife is doing the dishes and all these thought bubbles pop up. Uh, what is Jack wanting his lunch for tomorrow? How many loads of laundry need done by whatever? Uh, I got to make sure that the uh, school uh, book fair carnival money is in uh, Adeline's backpack, right? Literally 20 different thoughts, right? And then it shows the guy and his dialogue was, I wonder if I could take a brown bear in a fight. Probably not a black bear, but definitely a brown bear, right? <laughs> So why do I bring this up? <laughs> Sometimes we have expectations of others. And one, they don't even know those expectations. But two, they're trying to manage the expectations of so many people, including themselves. And so for me to ask my wife if she's good in the moment, she might just say, yeah, because she's trying 
to manage the 17 tasks that she has on her plate. And she really don't have time to sit here in discussion with you about how you ain't helping her do the dishes right now in this moment. <laughs> I'm not going to let my wife listen to this, by the way. So you hit the nail on the head when you said the, the question that you asked makes a huge difference. If I ask, are you good? Then the answer is going to be yes or no. Mm. And if indeed your loved ones don't like conflict or aren't in a space where they feel comfortable talking right now or have a to-do list that's a mile long and a mile deep, then maybe they just might say the wrong answer, one that doesn't create additional dialogue because it's just not the right moment, right? I think the real important thing is getting folks out of their routine, getting folks out of their head where they're thinking about where they've been, where they're currently at, or where they're about to be, and into the moment. Mm. And so how do you how do you create a brain pattern interrupt? You might say, hey, hon, I know that you're busy with all this stuff. Let's go on a walk. So now you're out of the house. Now you don't have a to-do list, right? So now the conversation isn't, you good. It's, uh, hey, hey, what's been something in our relationship that's made you smile in the last month? Hey, what's the most memorable date, top of mind, that we've ever had? What's the most memorable date that we've ever had? Hey, you've told me this a million times, but I'd be lying to say that I ever got tired of hearing about it. So what's the one thing that attracted you to me when we first met? No longer is it, are you good? But rather, a deliberate conversation about something that makes them smile. Wow. So this voice, the, the voice, like we've all got a voice in our heads. I think that as, I don't know if you are, but you said that we're very similar people. Um, so you might have well, multiples. It might be the same person, actually, is okay. what I said. So how, <laughs> what, is, what does the voice sound like? Like when God speaks to you, what is it? does he sound like Morgan Freeman? <laughs> does it does he sound like uh does he have an english accent <laughs> um butterflies man like it's it's a it's a vibe for me it's a it's a spidey sense mm. um we inherently because somebody put it inside of us. We know what's right and what's wrong. We know what kindness looks like. We know what love feels like. We know how to give it. You know when you're not living by those principles. <laughs> and so what does the voice sound like? It sounds like my voice. Mm. Sounds like my voice after somebody or something hit that spidey sense or gave me the butterflies or that tingle or that irritation or just that question, why am I responding this way? Like, you know, I, I pray, I don't go to church. Um, I'm not proud to say that, but I don't go to church. I was raised Catholic. And for many different reasons, I was, I was pushed away or I pushed myself away from religion. Yeah. I'm very faith driven. I have a relationship. I pray every single night and I don't ask for much, if anything at all. The most consistent thing I ask for is 
Lord, please help the people with the loudest voice and the leaders in our world to try and live more in your image to do right by these people. Guide us. Because I think that's the biggest trouble that we have right now in society. If you look at all the world issues going on, it's like people are motivated by the wrong things. I don't feel like the people really have a voice anymore. It's they're just people that are navigating situations out of greed or personal gain or whatever it may be. And so if I ask for anything, it's please guide our leaders or the individuals with the loudest voice that can make the largest impact to live life in your image, one. But two, the bulk of my prayer is just giving thanks. Thank you for a platform. Thank you for a voice. Thank you for the ability to self-reflect. I say that regularly. Thank you for the challenge because it makes me a better person. I know this sounds played out. And if you're listening to this, you might think this isn't true, but get to know me. Cause like, I know that you are harder on yourself than most people are. And I'm no different. Thank you for giving me the gift of self-reflection because I know that right now I don't feel good about myself. And if it wasn't for you, then I wouldn't feel that way. And as a result, I wouldn't grow accordingly and make a larger impact in my connection with others. Paul, this is what the, it, it's amazing because I don't, we didn't talk specifically about this part of it, but this is the reason why I want so many people to know you is because this is the, the things that you're talking about are the things that you've done for me. You've, you've asked me questions when, when it comes to like, why are you doing it? Or what's the connection point? Make sure, and I remember you called me and, and right after we talked the first time. And you said, I don't know if I'm overstepping my bounds here, but I want to tell you, be careful. Be careful as you grow in this industry. Be careful you, as you grow because the people that you put yourself around or the things that you see or the things that, you know, can become shiny and dude, that was some discernment. It was some word. And it, it was like, dude, I don't have any challenge with you telling me that. I think it's amazing, man. And I think it's unbelievable because there's very, again, when I said it before, there's very few people that walk or that, that walk what they're talking about or just talk about what they're walking. Right. And that's what you do. Like the, the cool thing is, is every single time that I've heard a presentation of yours, watching it on YouTube, if, if a person's seen you in the audience, that's the real Paul. Like, that's who you are. And there's very few people that do it. And I just, I want to compliment it at the highest level, man. Thanks, man. It means, it means a lot to me. And I think the reason why it resonates most with you is because you try to live your life the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, closing on the Instagram reel. I watched one with Tom Brady in it the other day where he was on a podcast and they were talking about what made him so successful and, you know, what were his... What were his fundamentals of fundamism, if you will? What was his vibe? And he talked about that poem, The Man in the Glass. Are you familiar with The Man in the Glass? No. So there was a, there was a poem written years and years and years ago called The Man in the Glass. And Tom Brady had this uh, framed and he read it every single day. And uh, coincidentally, I have that poem. Ooh, even right though you're a Patty Mahomes fan, uh, you're going to read some Tom Brady? Well, it was actually written by uh, <laughs> a scholar. Uh, but but listen, um, game recognized game, right? Like, how go. could you not 
identify somebody that had the practice habits and the will to win and the energy that Tom Brady had. Mm. Um, and quite honestly, like he told Pat Mahomes, like, you're it, you're, you're the next, like live, live up to the standard, like game recognize game. So if, if they could do that for one another, then why can't I recognize Tom Brady? So side note, I'm a little disappointed that you're not wearing your KC hat today when you're actually interviewing a dude from KC. There it is. You know what the KC hat is for though. It's for the monarch. It's Kelly Cardenas is what it's for. That's the reason why I wear it. Oh, but you know, that's the Negro league. I know. And the reason actually the main reason why I wear the KC hat is because of the, uh, the Sandlot. And that's my kid's favorite uh, movie. And uh, you know, the little guy wearing it was the subliminal message for Jackie Robinson. Yes. So, yeah, that's what, I mean, that's the reason, but it's Kelly Cardenas too. So that's what I feel. So fun fact, the Negro Leaps uh, Museum is actually in, uh, located in Kansas City. Is it? Um, yeah, Bob Kendrick is a friend of mine. He's no. been on the Fundamism podcast. He runs it, um, is absolutely amazing. Uh, Buck O'Neill, uh, you can't see it. Hold on just a second. Buck O'Neill was a legend in the Negro Leagues and in Kansas City. Um, every single year at uh, certain games, Kansas City honors people that live the same life or core values or principles that Buck O'Neill had. This is probably one of my greatest accomplishments of all time. Look oh at the hat. See yes, that hat? That's the hat. That's the hat. Yeah. yeah. The Buck O'Neill legacy seat. So I got uh, on the on the news and uh, Jumbotron and our family got to see dad get recognized while experiencing uh, the game. And it was absolutely amazing. But uh, Bob Kendrick, Buck O'Neill, two individuals that I look up to a great, great amount, a great deal in life. So, all right. So the, the man in the glass, I've changed it uh, a little bit to reflect uh, uh, any sex, gender, or uh, however you choose to address yourself or don't choose for that matter. So it's called the person in the glass. When you get what you want and your struggle for self and the world makes you royalty for a day, just go to the mirror and look at yourself and see what that man or woman has to say. For it isn't your father or mother or spouse whose judgment upon you must pass. The person whose verdict counts most in your life is the one staring back from the glass. They're the person to please, never mind all the rest, for they're with you clear up to the end. And you've passed your most dangerous, difficult test if the person in the glass is your friend. You may fool the whole world down the pathway of years and get pats on the back as you pass, but your final reward will be heartaches and tears if you've cheated that person in the glass. So ending where we started, you have to spend every individual or every waking moment and sleeping, every moment of your life with one individual. And that person is you. So work your tail off at earning the respect of the person in the mirror or the glass and let the chips fall where they may. Very, very, very seldom speechless. But I wish I could take this mic and not only drop it, but just throw it across the room. <laughs> um, you know you know why I started the podcast, because the two kids, Maddox and McKenna. What advice would you have for those two? Well, I mean, not to sound like a broken record, but it's the best way to solidify a thought. Mm. Work your tail off at earning the respect of the person staring back at you in the mirror. You spend McKenna Maddox, hear my words. You have to spend every moment of your life with one individual 
Your parents want to be with you as much as they can till the day you pass. But here's hoping, and God willing, you outlive them by 30, 40 years. And ultimately, you have to spend every moment with just one individual. And your whole experiences in life, or your whole experience in life, is going to be dictated on how this person feels about you and how this person conducts their business. That person is you. Work your tail off at earning your own respect, living by the principles of the fruit of the Spirit, and I promise you a life overflowing with abundance. There's not one question out there of why you're a mentor to me. Mm. Paul, you're a, you're, a, you're a gangster, man. It's I mean, <laughs> better, better than advertised. Hey, and, and the thing that I didn't say to every one of you out there, I've been chasing this dude for the better part of a year. We've been friends actually for longer than a year. And I was like, yo, dude, I need you on the podcast. He was like, I'm important. I got all these things to do. You're not that important. That's, or was that what I heard or what you said? Maybe it was what I heard when oh. you said, I'm just joking. But I, I tell you, like, I've been wanting you on for so long. And literally, you changed my, you changed my whole trajectory in a conversation. Just a conversation. I can't imagine the the amount of ripple effect and impact that you're having on this world, man. Continue. Please, 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 please continue being Paul and continue doing what you're doing because all of us get to watch, experience, and have our lives change because you are going after and doing what you're – like when people talk about their purpose, it's overused for me. But – you're doing what you were designed to do. And because of that, I, I, I told this to a business owner uh, a while back. I said to him, you got to see yourself as a great white shark. And she was like, well, what do you mean? I said, you're an apex predator. She said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, in business, like there's with a, with a shark, there's when they're going towards their prey, there's all kind of parasite fish and fish that are around them that eat based off of that apex predator being focused on where they need to go. And I said, every time as a business owner, you turn around and say, hey, Parasite Fish and everybody, come on with me and try and pull them ahead. All, they don't see you smiling. They only see 16 rows of teeth and like you're about to eat them. So they scatter. Mm -hmm. But if you'll keep going on where you need to go, then everyone else will eat. And I want to tell you, Paul, you're that great white shark that as long as you continue to do what you were designed to do, all of us continue to eat, man, and no pressure on you. Um, but I want to tell you, like, it's it's amazing to see it, man. It's amazing to witness it. And I'm very uh, fortunate because I've forced you to be my friend for the rest of your life. So you can't get away from me. Well, as relationships do matter to me, uh, and I am an individual that was raised with a little bit of Catholic guilt, um, I... Uh, I've long struggled knowing that you've asked me to be on this podcast and I have not until this time. You sent me a link a long, long time ago and I said that I was going to I was going to sign up and I just never did. So um, one thing and take this for, take it however you want it, brother. But uh, as you know, when, I, when you interact with me or you even get on my social like, I really, I really struggle with seem, which seems counterintuitive in my business, in our business. I struggle with the thought of self-promotion. And so I, uh, for years, had my own podcast. 
and I loved it and it was fun until it wasn't. And then it became a job for me and it took me away from the things that I really wanted to be doing, right? And so whenever I was asked to be on a podcast, one, I looked at it as uh, a vehicle for self-promotion. I'm like, mm, I don't want to do that right now. Th these are the things that I'm telling myself, yeah, right? Yeah. And two, like I was so kind of over the whole podcast deal because of what I was on and I was getting so many requests that I, I just value my time at home so much when I finally get off the road that I, that I wanted to put that stuff forward uh, or first rather. Uh, the sad part is now props to you. Uh, I've done a lot of podcasts and I've met a lot of people. Nobody's doing a podcast like you're doing it. Uh, nobody makes me feel the way that you do. No one shines light on their guests in a more genuine way like you do. I should have been on here a long time ago because you lift me up just as I lift you up, brother. So my, my apologies that it took so long, but I'm just grateful that we got the opportunity. Hey, I'm grateful, man. This, this timing, like my pop said, he said, uh, you know, that uh, God is seldom early, never late, always right on time. And yeah. he's right on, he's right on time with this one. And my mom would reiterate it. She'd say it all the time. And, um, so Paul, it's been, it's been my absolute pleasure, man. And I'm going to, I'm going to chase you for another couple of years, uh, till we get the second episode. So, um, <laughs> I want, I want to thank you. All his, all his information is going to be in the links and stuff like that. Honestly, like if you have a corporation, a company, uh, a conference, and you don't have Paul Long there and you don't have him speaking, it's not going to be as good of a conference. I could tell you that this dude is the absolute best to go. And the cool thing is, is because my friends are good at what they do, I don't have to be anything but myself. So I, I thank you for your mentorship, man. You're an incredible, incredible human being. And Paul, you're officially off the hot seat.